As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, guys. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, as George Payton continues to remake the Broncos front office in his image, it's coming at the expense of a seriously plundered and depleted Minnesota Vikings front office. Break it down, dude. I'll pull up the article for some scratch and sniff, but Broncos just hired their own, a brand new director of player personnel. Yeah, uh, Burkhart is his last name, and he's been in Minnesota for quite a while. Obviously, he intersected with George Payton with the Vikings. You know, it's it's a formality type of move considering how much pull, obviously, Payton has in the uh, Broncos front office. He does all his own scouting. He has his right-hand man, Moogie. But uh, this guy is just more familiarity and uh, forms Peyton's circle in Denver. You question, though, how much can he help when you look at the Vikings' recent history? How many Super Bowls do they have? As many as you and I have, Chad. That would be zero. They've been a, I hate to use the word because I feel like it's overused on this podcast, but a middling franchise, always maybe one win away or one quarterback away. That sounds familiar. But if George Payton believes that Burkhardt can help the Broncos and help him become a better GM, I'm all for that. So he reunited now with Burkhardt and Kelly Klein, his two right-hand individuals. I won't say men. Yes, indeed. And if you look at how he has structured, that is, Payton, the front office. Well, first of all, Moogie was kind of a holdover from the Elway era that had been a rising star beneath Matt Russell, who, by the way, for what it's worth, Matt Russell, throwing his hat back into the NFL ring, uh, took a job with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But Doug Moogie was a rising star in the Elway-Russell front office that I think perhaps maybe Zach George Payton saw as not being, maybe being overlooked a little and not and kind of being squandered. Moogie has now moved to being the assistant GM and literally his right hand. Plus, A.J. Durso, the director of pro personnel, also an Elway holdover, and Brian Stark, another holdover, the director of college scouting. And then you mentioned the two biggest uh, high-profile front office acquisitions or hirings, I guess I should say, Peyton made outside of this cat in the form of Kelly Klein as the director, executive director of football operations and senior personnel executive Roman Pfeiffer. So, yeah, dude, it's kind of interesting. One thing that we learned from Mike Kliss, for what it's worth, Zach, I'll, I'll come down here to this little tidbit in his uh, piece here. I'll give you guys a little rundown on Burkhart. Quote, this is from Kliss, a former backup quarterback at South Dakota State, Burkhart had spent the previous 13 years with the Vikings, nearly 12 of those while working with Peyton, and most recently had been their director of pro scouting. Although the Vikings had overhauled most of their front office this offseason, 
They wanted to keep Burkhart. Instead, he got a nice promotion from the Broncos and a chance to reunite with Peyton, close quote. Is it Doug Moogie or Darren Moogie? Because now I have the Mandela effect You're right. going on. Hold on. Dude, are we getting this? Or, or this could be happening in real time. Is there two Moogies in the Broncos front office? No, I don't it's, know. <laughs> no, I think you're right, dude. It's a. It, it happened to me the other night. I called. Uh, it was right. Todd Bowley. I call him Josh Bowley. So it, it tends to happen. Um, yeah, you know, it's just more familiarity for George Payton. Uh, but as long as he's calling the shots, I feel like the uh-huh. Broncos. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm just. I'm laughing now. Go ahead. The Broncos are pretty well off. And uh, in it, the one takeaway, Chad, I'll, I'll put a bow on this real quick. The one takeaway is for anyone still saying this is Elway's team, y'all have nothing to fall back on now. Elway is an outside consultant, and Peyton has remade the front office in his vision. He's kept around some Elway guys, but brought along the guys and gals he feels most comfortable with. It's Peyton's operation, a billion percent. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And it was kind of interesting, too, on that same topic. Let me come back up to the actual piece here from uh, Cliss. I know you're working on a story on this for us, Zach, yes, but it was interesting what Elway had to say. Um, I think I just passed it. Quote, this is, um, I mean, Elway, he's given a few quotes here and there, but, you know, he stepped back. He's not the GM. He's not the the man running things at Broncos HQ. And so, you know, he's not giving quotes here left and right like he would back in the day as as GM to his media sources. But this is one of the few things we've been able to get on the record from John this offseason, courtesy of Mike Kliss, Nine News quote in in talking about Russell Wilson. He was the piece we needed. We had a good football team around him. And I think George Payton did a tremendous job of putting that deal together and getting him here. It's great to see the fan base energized again. We've got a chance to compete in the AFC West, which obviously is going to be tough. But again, like anything, we've got to stay healthy. We've had a tough time doing that the last several years. If we can stay healthy, Russ has been there. He's won Super Bowls. He knows what it takes, and the leadership he's provided has been tremendous. Closed quote. So, Zach, that's uh, it's kind of interesting to hear Elway talk about the problems they've had with the injury bug, and yet, Nothing's really changed relative to the strength conditioning staff. Yeah, hmm, makes you question a few things. It's it, when I read those quotes, I did uh, re- recognize that he doubled up on using staying healthy and and focusing on the injury aspect. Maybe in my tinfoil type mind, that leads me to believe: is he talking about Russell Wilson, who went through an injury last year? Is he talking about the Broncos' strength and conditioning, or is he saying the Broncos? The only thing that can hold them back and prevent them from contending in the West and for a Super Bowl title are injuries. Either way, it's nice to hear an outside quote from an outside consultant now in Elway. I didn't always like when he gave weekly quotes on the Broncos, weekly addresses. He was mealy-mouthing. He was GM speaking. He wasn't giving much. Now, at least when he talks, there's a little more substance behind his words. Tanner, hey, dude, thank you for getting into the chat early. Happy birthday to you, my friend. He says real quick here on the heels of a very generous super chat. Thank you, Tim. Just wanted to show some love. Can't watch tonight live because it's my birthday, but I'll be watching on my way to work tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Bro, first of all, you're a boss for getting up that early. Uh, Second of all, if we could sing the birthday song to you, we would, but we can't because the algo bots out there will ding our channel because it's a copyrighted tune. So just know that in our hearts, in our minds, we're singing happy birthday to the great Tanner. I am wondering, though, how old are you now? Because I hope you have a good birthday, Tanner, however old you're turning. And uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, joining us tonight. Michael Ronquillo also throwing down a super chat. Very generous of you, my dog, before going live. Thank you, buddy. He says, good evening, Chad and Zach on the Mile High Huddle. Let's win the AFC West. Let's ride and go Broncos. Yeah, we're going to find out tomorrow night, Zach, what maybe a a better picture of what that's going to entail, what it's going to take to win the AFC West. We know who the opponents are. Obviously, we've known that for a while, but the exact order where games fall in the season, which can be pivotal, right? Like how a season is structured and opponents, I mean, taking on opponents, for example, let's say a good one in the first quarter of the season compared to the final quarter of the season, 
two totally different things, even though on at first glance or on the surface, it might seem like, well, it's the same opponent. You just play them when you play them. Different implications, different energies, different things, etc. We'll get to go through that tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We already know, basically, the Broncos have what should be a Week 8 game in London against Jacksonville, and it came to uh, to pass that Week 16 on Christmas Day will be the Broncos at the Rams. We know two games. I heard at the draft the Broncos are going to open up the season at Seattle. That would mean maybe Russell Wilson versus Drew Locke in primetime. Bring me that game. Hook that right into these veins or Kansas City. The are going to get maxed out in primetime games. No, Chad, that I think is well apparent right now. It's going to be a fun season. I can't wait for the schedule release tomorrow night. Same here. And that is, though, if Drew Locke can beat out Geno Smith for the starting job in Seattle. It really seems like Pete Carroll's kind of pulling for Drew to uh, win that job. I don't know. We'll see. I think there's just, we know what Geno is. Geno's going to hold the door for you. He's a placeholder. He's a failsafe. He's a stopgap guy. And you know what, Zach, when you need him, those type of guys can be valuable. But Drew Locke gives him a ceiling. And if they can figure out a way to kind of, you know, channel some of that raw potential that we've, we've seen, I mean, Guys, let's not pretend Drew Locke had a Paxton Lynch-esque um, failure to launch in Denver. Did he turn out the way uh, the, the team and, and the fans we wanted to see? Not necessarily, obviously. But, Zach, this dude had some very productive moments in the sun. Let's just put it that way. The right coaching staff and the right system. Like I still think Drew could, could do something in the league. It'll be interesting, though, to see exactly how Seattle really feels about him. Once training camp comes around, we get to the preseason, we see how some of those reps, not that we're going to be monitoring it daily. I mean, that's the Seattle Seahawks. He's he's moved on from our orbit, but still, it will be curious. Man, speaking of Pax and Lynch, Pete Carroll really loves, you know, old has-been Broncos quarterbacks. I think back to when we were at the Combine in 2019, you and I, yeah. and I basically asked Pete Carroll, I said, you, you brought in Pax and Lynch, Why? And he got defensive and combative, and he was like very excited about the Paxton Lynch acquisition. I said, you know, you might want to hold your not hold your breath on that, Pete. And Drew Locke, you know, Geno Smith to me is like a lower end version of Teddy Bridgewater. So if Drew Locke can't beat out Geno Smith, God help Drew Locke. God help the Seahawks. Not our problem, though. This is true. Shout out to Albert Knoppers. It's good to see you, my friend. Give our best to Michelle. Appreciate you being in the chat, as always, my friend. Um, we also have a Michaela bomb throwing down early, early, Thank right you. as we were going live. Appreciate you, Michaela. She says, "Are uh, are we turning into the Minnesota Vikings of of the West?" LOL. Good evening, Chad and Zach. Yeah, it's a fair question, but I would say no until and unless Zach Rick Spielman suddenly finds his way onto the payroll as some kind of like senior consultant. Then I would start maybe being like, mm. but let's not pretend it was all bad under Spielman for the Vikings. I mean. They had, a, they had a few good runs with him. They just couldn't solve quarterback. I think the Broncos are closer to turning into the Packers than they are the Vikings because they hired the former OC there. You know, They hired Alton. They brought in Dom Capers. A lot of Green Bay influence in Denver, and it's all for the better. I, I don't think we have to worry about the Vikings takeover of the front office. Again, these are just people around George Payton with whom he feels comfortable, with whom he can work. But it's George Payton's operation, and everything he's done so far as GM has lent the ultimate optimism to Broncos country. I think it's one of the coolest things about the uh, Behind the Broncos series that the team site has done, rolled out both on the team site and the Broncos YouTube channel is, you get to see kind of how Peyton leads and he's obviously the man, right? But he is extremely collaborative in how he, um, in how he leads and how he makes a decision. He's going to check the temperature of the room. You know, John Elway, Lord knows how much he really had involvement in any of the draft process. For example, uh, there's a shot at the end of one of the, the last episode I watched anyway, where he sank in John, uh, for his, you know, for what he probably had very little to do with it, but he's doing that because he is a really, really good leader. George Payton up to this point, And I know that the early uh, returns on the 2022 draft class hasn't been as widely and immediately lauded as his first draft class. But I'm telling you guys, George Payton has the NFL's attention. He's been putting a dent in the NFL universe. And now that you've got the coaching staff that 
you know, again, we talk about remaking a front office in George Payton's image, remaking a coaching staff in George Payton's image. And now, of course, the roster starting with Russell Wilson, we get to see what's what. Yeah, can you imagine Elway ceding power in the in the draft war room to someone like Rich Scangarello or Joe Woods? It would have never happened. But to George Payton's credit, he lent a lot of influence over to Dwayne Stukes and Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Alton and Ejiro Evero. I mean, they, it seemed like they were making the picks on day two and day three, not George Payton. Very collaborative effort, but still, Payton's the top dog. And as long as he is, the Broncos are on the ascension. Guys, in the month of May, we're trying to reach on Facebook – 200,000 stars. If we reach it, we are going to be raffling off one of these. Demarius Thomas jersey to the winner. The only people in the running are those who help contribute to the goal, as you guys know. And uh, we've got some some heavy hitters as far as the rankings. I'll go through it real quick, but we're at about 10% complete. So we're a little bit behind the eight ball relative to where we are currently in the month. But I'll tell you who the top ranked Star supporters are on Facebook this month. Mark Schrader at the top, Gary Leeds Palmer, number two, Jacob Foster, three, Phil McLaughlin, four, Andrew Baker, five, Lawrence Rivera, six, Travis Weber, seven, Peter Middleton, eight, Andrew Lampy, nine, and Lena Carter, ten. So we'll uh, continue to monitor those power rankings on Facebook as we get deeper and deeper into the month of May. But GLP, you the man. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate you um, every single day. Just consistent, helping keep the lights on here. Those stars help us keep the lights on here. Believe that. So we do appreciate you guys. And Gary, you the man. Um, also, Marcus Lewis Henna throwing down. Appreciate that, buddy. Across the pond. It's good to see you. Zach, while we're still, uh, and also, by the way, Ernie Bigern. Bigern, another one of our loyal, legendary community members on Facebook. It's great to see you, Bigern. Zach, while we're still on the subject of John Elway. Luke Patterson had this article for us today at milehighhuddle.com. Go give it a read, guys. But the headline is, uh, report John Elway and Peyton Manning could be involved with the Broncos after the new ownership succeeds or takes over, right? Uh, This is based on uh, Cliss again, all right? So how and when will John Elway and Peyton Manning join any kind of an ownership race or picture with the Broncos? This is Cliss quote. Only after the controlling owner becomes known would the Broncos' new owner or owners consider bringing in Broncos Hall of Fame quarterbacks John Elway and Peyton Manning. Elway told Nine News he would like to be involved in the Broncos' new ownership group in an advisory role or consultant capacity. Multiple potential Bronco buyers have reached out to Peyton Manning to gauge his interest, but he has yet to commit, Zach, to any one group, close quote. So it sounds like to me, whatever group association had been reported long before the bid started coming in, that Peyton was a part of one we were told through reporting. Elway was a part of one we were told through reporting. Doesn't sound like either of their groups made it through the the gauntlet, at least the five that are still being entertained. Yeah, that groan you heard is because another ownership topic came up, and it's uh, it's just so beaten down at this point. I don't think uh, neither Elway nor Peyton Manning are going to be in ownership of the Broncos, minority or majority, but it's fun to talk about. And at least it shows that both men still have a vested interest in the Broncos organization, especially Peyton Manning. Um, they're reaching out to him, but it's not working the other way around. He's not reaching out to the Broncos. I credit Peyton, man. In the year since he's retired, he's really taken a vague, um, I don't know, just a um, non-committal approach to his post-football life. And he's willing to do whatever he wants, bouncing here, bouncing there. He has the Manning cast, but he's not being locked down into any one role like we thought he would get after he retired, like a coordinator, GM, head coach. It seems like ownership or bust for Peyton. We shall see. Russell Ziegler. It's got to be Ziggler, right? Like Zig Ziggler, any relation to Zig Ziggler. Raise your hand if you've ever read a Zig Ziggler book. For those of you that are like, wait, what? Zig Ziggler is like a sales guru. I remember one of the jobs I had, Zach, while I was in college, knocking doors. I think I was selling like satellite dish, you know, dish TV subscriptions or something like that. Uh, They had us read the, the Zig Ziggler sales Bible book, whatever. So, Russ, hopefully you're getting some of those royalties, but thank you for uh, the support and the kind words on Facebook, my friend. Um, no, other than Michaela, as far as ownership update, 
all we know now i was a little bit unplugged today zach going through some stuff as you know and everything cool but i was a little less plugged in today than i would normally be last i checked the only update is uh rob walton got the song and dance in person he's been at the building this week uh yesterday i want to say it was zach other than that that's all that's the latest yeah we're waiting on I think I got this confused yesterday. Either Bowley visited or Harris visited already and Walton visited. So we have two major players down, one more to go, one more walkthrough, and the mystery bidders, whoever they are, if they want to contend. But I still think, and I'll say it again for another podcast, it's Rob Walton's bid to lose because he can write a $5 billion check cash. No financing, nothing else. It would be his if he can do that, which he can. It's mind bottling, right? Where your thoughts get all trapped up inside like a bottle. You know, the thought of having just $5 billion. Uh, shout out Will Farrell. Albert Knoppers. Yes. Cool. Michelle saying hi to. Appreciate that, my friend. Really, we do. Zach, the Denver Broncos got quick to it in terms of signing the draft class. I know you've had a couple articles for us. There will be more incoming, I'm sure, as these uh, deals continue to, to go down. But who have the Broncos signed, and what does that mean for the Broncos? Uh, so far, it's Nick Benito. Uh, they signed – let me pull up the article so I can uh, get the financials and the numbers. Four-year deal for Benito, $5.8 million. Standard rookie deal, $1.39 million signing bonus. Thank God for the NFL rookie wage pay scale. But they have signed Luke Wattenberg, the fifth-round offensive lineman, sixth-round defensive lineman Matt Henningson. Henningson? and seventh-round quarterback Fayon Hicks. And I believe they signed Yell, the safety they drafted, while we were going live. So they're slowly but surely getting the draft picks down. I wouldn't be surprised if Dulcich is the next one to fall and the remaining draft picks uh, because they have a rookie minicamp starting Friday. It's on the last Friday and Saturday. The rookies are reporting to Dove Valley tomorrow to begin that minicamp. They want them in the building, signed, sealed, and delivered, and they're getting that done as Peyton intends. Um. I like this. I've heard this now multiple times. People still kind of a little bit, I wouldn't say down on the Nick Benito pick, but just kind of not very jazzed about it. Um, but if you think about two of his most common pro comparison guys, as you write here, Zach, Hassan Reddick and Bruce Irvin, you know, Irvin kind of burned bright early in his career in Seattle, and then he kind of fizzled a little bit and became more of just, I don't know, more of a uh, mercenary. But if you could get Nick Benito into anything approximating a Hassan Reddick circa 2021, that's going to be a very uh, profitable second-round pick. I think Irvin was a little better against the run, and that's still my biggest beef with Benito is he's so slender, and the way he's built his lower body, he's going to be susceptible, to put it lightly, against the run at the NFL level. And like I wrote there, it's a one-dimensional player. And at 64, if you want to add a one-dimensional player to an already pretty stacked room, fine. You know, God be with you. I hope it works out well. But he's got to beef up a little bit at the NFL level to be more than a one-trick pony. I think he could be, but I still get some. We hear the Hassan Reddick comp, the Bruce Irvin comp, but there's also the Shane Ray comp. And that's what I'm worried about. Yes, indeed. Some of us are still a little bit traumatized from Shane Ray. Um, but it wasn't all bad with Shane. I'll come back to that here in a second. But, Phil, I don't know what's going on with your um, run-ins with Facebook community standards. That's really weird. I've never heard that before with someone trying to throw down stars. So hopefully it gets resolved. I wish we could help you with it. Unfortunately, uh, we can't control or even really communicate with anybody over there at the world's biggest social media company. So save us Elon. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, Shane Ray, here's the thing I'll say as soon as now I'm trying to remember Zach, did he get the chiefs tattoo after he was drafted or was it before? Pretty sure it was before. Isn't he from Kansas? Yeah, he is from Kansas city. So either way, it's just, it's kind of like with drew growing up a chiefs fan. It's not the kind of harbinger. Like, look, I know guys in the front office, you know, the, the personnel guys, for the most part, they're kind of pragmatic. Coaches and players tend to be much more uh, superstitious. Guys upstairs are a little bit more black and white pragmatic. If I'm a front office guy and there's a quarterback I like in the draft and I find out he was not only did he grow up a Chiefs fan, 
but like his family is literally bleeding chiefs colors. And like, it's the lightning rod that unifies their family on a year in and year out basis. I'm probably now hindsight being 2020, knowing what we know now, I'm probably not taking him. Same thing with Shane Ray. That's like, dude, that's just a bad omen, dude. It's a, it's a questionable harbinger, but it wasn't all bad. He was part of that edge rushing rotation that helped the Broncos bring home Super Bowl 50. When D Ware and Vaughn needed a breather and a little O2, you had Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray coming in. And Shane wasn't as uh, productive as a rookie. That was his rookie year. It was Shaq's second year, as Shaq was as a, as a um, rotational rusher. But when the Broncos had to turn to him the next year, because DeMarcus Ware on his final year with the Broncos got hurt, spent most of his last year as a Bronco, banged up and on the sideline. He was a starter, Shane Ray, and he ended up with eight sacks. And, you know, almost half of them came in one game against Andrew Whitworth and the Cincinnati Bengals at that point. But still, it wasn't all bad with Shane. Then he got that injury. I'm I'm still going to kind of always wonder what would have happened with Shane Ray's NFL star, especially as a Bronco, if he doesn't get that weird-ass wrist injury. Remember that? Yeah. I was going to say, was it a wrist or was it some arm injury? He was never quite the same after that, but – he didn't have it. You know, so you, you so you look at a player, an edge rusher. I looked at Shaq Barrett on the same team, and I saw he has it. That's the guy. I want to pay that guy. I didn't see that in Shane Ray. And the thing is, when you talk about the Chiefs fandom, Shane embraced that when he was drafted. He didn't denounce Kansas City at all, whereas when Drew Locke got drafted, didn't he go back to his parents' house and hang a Broncos flag or take down a Chiefs flag? He, yeah. he never embraced the Chiefs. He embraced the Broncos. But fortunately – we don't have to worry about either player. I hope Anito works out better. And I hope he meets the comps that we referenced, the uh, Hassan Reddick, Bruce Irvin comps. Roy Osborne on Facebook. Appreciate you being with us, Roy. I know this is off topic a little bit, but do you guys think that we bring in Jadeveon Clowney last minute based upon Randy Gregory's recovery? Zach, before you answer this, I just want for people listening, Clowney has been a commonly speculated 11th hour potential addition for the Broncos. Um, I don't see it. Your thoughts. I don't see it either. I mean, why you, you just draft. I mean, it's one thing if you want to hedge on Bradley Chubb, you, you sign Randy Gregory, you bring back Malik Reed, but then on top of that, you hedge for all of them by drafting Nick Benito at 64 and pass up, let's say a tackle. I don't think Clowney's needed. I think he has way more baggage than he's worth at this point of his career. He'd bring you what five to eight sacks a game. I, I, he would take reps away from the younger players and Randy Gregory guys. He, he didn't, you know, it's not the worst surgery in the entire world. He's not having Achilles surgery or meniscus or even ACL. It's an arthroscopic shoulder surgery. He's expected to be fine. Hopefully by training camp, if not the preseason, he will play week one, barring a setback and he will provide value for those who think the Broncos overpaid for Randy Gregory. They're just fine to me. They don't need someone like Clowney. Hey, real quick shout out for Dylan Von Arts, who has not only he, he was a longtime super chat superstar for us at MHH, leading the pack, one of the one of the Mount Rushmore figures. And then I'm like, hey, dude, we had him on the show. I said, hey, let's can you help out on YouTube? You want to help us with the um, you know chat moderation? He's been doing that diligently. Hardly missed any nights since I asked him to do it. He just today, in fact, published his first article as a intern at Mile High Huddle, making sense of the Broncos' decision to skip offensive tackle and inside linebacker in the draft, Dylan popping his cherry. So I just wanted to give the man his props. It was well-written. It's an interesting uh, topic. Go give it a read, you guys. But uh, I don't want to spoil it, so go give it a read. Shout out to Dylan. Good to see you, but, uh, big dog. Yeah, appreciate you, Dylan, and congratulations. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, Diamond, you got your stuff real quick. Sorry about that, Scott. Real quick, Diamond, you got your stuff. It arrived yesterday, right? The jersey, because there was a little bit of a concern on if it was going to arrive before you. I think you were maybe going to be moving soon. Pretty sure the tracker showed me it arrived yesterday. Confirm in the chat for me, uh, Big Dog, if you can. Uh, and hope everything's going good for you as well. All right, Scott, what? Throw that one back up from Andrew if you still got it handy. Thank you, Andrew Baker. He of the legendary ponytail, and it's formidable. 
I mean, I had to give it a cup, like a double take in person at the stadium last fall. I mean, look. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I was a little bit peanut butter and jelly seeing that beautiful, luscious ponytail. But Andrew says, what's up, my fam? It's a fun question that I asked Nick and Carl. So what is your prediction for the first Russell Wilson play? Zach, is is Hackett just going to like, not so much troll the Seahawks, but just oh, like... Yeah. In just total celebratory abandon, have him just drop back and chuck one up, or what's it going to be? I mean, I think he's going to do this to the NFL. Uh, quite honestly, <laughs> quite honestly, I want the annexation of Puerto Rico for the Broncos' first play. I want the ultimate trick play, a 80-yard touchdown bomb, just to show the NFL, listen, we have a healthy Russell Wilson. We have a kick-ass receiving core, no matter what Bucky Brooks thinks, by the way, and we're going to come out and attack defenses no matter who you are. And if the game is in prime time, all the better. So, yeah, I think the Broncos, to make it a little more realistic, they're going to pass first. I would look for a, I don't know, a 15, 20-yard slant to someone like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. They're going to move the ball down the field. I don't know exactly what play it's going to be, Andrew, but I'd, I'd put lunch. I'd put a stake on it's going to be a pass. It's going to be a pass. Uh, this is what Zach was referencing just a moment ago. Headline, NFL media's Bucky Brooks disparages the Wilson-led Broncos bottom of the division. What the Sam Hill did this guy say? Here's what he said. Quote, what, this is Bucky Brooks. When I took, when I look at this team um, from one to 53, I feel like they are at the bottom of the division. I look at what the Kansas city chiefs have done, the chargers and Raiders, and I do not see a more talented team. Yes. Russell Wilson certainly closes the gap at the quarterback position, but the rest of the teams are absolutely loaded defensively. They're loaded. Every team we've mentioned in this division has two pass rushers that can get after it. We talk about the wide receivers and the playmakers. I think if we rank all those positions out, the Broncos would finish at the bottom of the pack in all those categories. At wide Wrong. receiver, really? Wrong. So he he concludes, unless Wilson's able to pull a rabbit out of the hat, I just don't see the Broncos closing the gap and being a very competitive championship caliber team. Close quote. Yeah, because I'm a sick freak, I was actually thinking about this in the shower, and I I, I know I come off it comes off a little hypocritical because I want to say I don't care what Bucky Brooks thinks of the of the Broncos, but it's also my job to report what he thinks and report what he says and transcribe his quote to put it on blast for how clownish it really is. I mean, I put it out there on Twitter earlier today, and it seems like Broncos country agrees, Chad. They don't have the worst quarterback in the division. They don't have the worst supporting cast in the division. They don't have the worst defense in the division. And you can argue they don't have the worst head coach in the division. And we don't even know what Hackett looks like yet. So to say that is pure bias, and I will repeat it once more, any national media talking head clown has no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Zero zip zilch. On one hand, I'll just steal man this, man, this guy's argument for a moment here. All right. What have the Broncos proven of late? Nothing, right? Uh, was it a dead last finish last year? in the AFC West, if not dead last third the year prior. I get that. Nobody has been writing home about the Denver Broncos, but as John Elway said in that quote to Mike Kliss earlier in tonight's show, the talent is there around, you know, this this quarterback. They just were missing the quarterback. You plug Russell Wilson in with a fresh-faced, energetic, passionate, forward-thinking 
offensive-minded head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. And I think it's, you know, you can see miracles spring forth. I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, Zach, but Russell Wilson has never benefited from being coached by, first of all, an offensive-minded head coach. Second of all, a coaching staff with a true um, commitment to running the show through the quarterback that he is. It's In Seattle, it was always defense. First run the ball, and Russ was kind of the supplement to that. And then when the chips are down and none of that worked, hey, Russ, please go out and save us. And yet he still won at prolific levels. He still produced at a high, high level. Nine Pro Bowls, we could go through it all. Now you flip that on its ear, and he's got the love and support and the focus of the whole team, the coaching staff. I mean, we could go through and pick nits through his uh, Bucky Brooks's comparisons of some of the rosters and the different positions that the Broncos are lacking, that they're fourth in the AFC West, which I really do think is laughable. And it surprises me because Bucky Brooks knows his stuff. This is a former scout. This is a guy whose podcast with Daniel Jeremiah is usually quite edifying to listen to, especially leading up to the draft. It's disappointing. Maybe he just hadn't had his coffee yet. I don't know, dude, but this was just lame. You want to be the steel man, I'll be the straw man. What have the Raiders done to prove anything the last couple of years? What have the Chargers done, despite having Justin Herbert? What have they really proven at, at a higher level than just the regular season? Nothing. Same of the Broncos have proven. And to Brooks, Brooks's point, he likes what Kansas City has done. What did they do this offseason? They lost Tyreek Hill. They lost Tyron Matthew. They what? They gained Justin Reed and uh, George Kurloftis and, and McDuffie. I mean, they took a, a step back, I feel like. The Broncos took three steps forward. And again, Chad, I want to point out something people are saying in the comments, and I saw it. someone pulled a receipt, Brooks's receipt on Twitter. This is the same guy who said last season the Broncos will be a playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So again, he's a clown when it comes to this topic. He might know about other teams. He certainly doesn't know anything about the Broncos, nor this year's version of the Broncos, and I can't wait to revisit it in January when he's proven dead wrong. Let him hate. Let him hate. Travis Weber, good to see you, bro. Good evening to you as well. Uh, real quick from Mile High Mike, he says that Shane Ray, his career, reminds him of Bradley Chubb's career. And then, of course, relative to injuries. Do you think those two now, you know, separated by, I don't know, 15 some odd picks in the first round, Chubb being a top five guy, Shane Ray being a 20s guy, um, are they comparable? I mean, not just because they play the same position, but what say you? I mean, a lot of players are injury prone. A lot of players have their career uh, derailed by injuries. But I, I believe, like you mentioned earlier, half of Shane Ray's career high in sacks for a season came in one game. So he was very much flash in the pan. He would make a good play one game and then disappear for five or six games after that. But when Bradley Chubb has been healthy, I think he's had more substance to his game. We've seen more consistent output from Bradley Chubb. And not just as a pass rusher, but in run defense. He's gotten a lot better sending the edge since his rookie season so i wouldn't say they're comparable at all i, I would give the the big uh, advantage to bradley chubb for what it's worth shane ray 14 sacks for the broncos in his four years uh bradley chubb 20 and a half both have missed time in fact bradley chubb may have missed more time did shane ray play his fourth season in denver I'll, i'd have to i'm trying to rack my brain i, I was a very forgettable era but we covered it, so I should know it off the top of my head. But either way, Bradley Chubb has a chance this year to put to rest all these kind of comparisons, to put to rest any notion that he's even approaching bust status. He's got to stay on the field, just like Nathaniel Hackett said when asked about his expectations for Bradley Chubb, be available. Because if Chubb is available, it probably means he's healthy. So if he's healthy, he's available Based on what we've seen from him as a pro, when he's available and on the field, he is productive. Last season, Zach, when he came back from that lower leg injury that cost him half the season, being the only exception. He wasn't able to get a sack. He just clearly wasn't himself. He did have one nice play he made, but it wasn't a sack. Uh, interception returned almost to pay dirt, almost. So this is it. This is it for Bradley Chubb. Go out and prove it, my dog. 
You know, I was thinking Shane Ray also had the big, big advantage of playing on a, a stacked championship winning Broncos defense. You know, playing opposite Von Miller, playing alongside DeMarcus Ware, playing uh, behind a really, really good defensive line and, you know, in front of a no-fly zone secondary. Who has Bradley Chubb played around and played with? I mean, Von Miller has been on and off, you know, injured and not, then he was traded. He's had Malik Reed and, you know, the Jonathan Coopers and, and this and that. Um I don't know. It, it's not been a fair comparison, and yet Chubb has been more productive than Ray was. And you can talk about the injuries. I just th think that Chubb's been more consistent as a pro. Kendrick Ware, talk about consistent. Kendrick Ware has been the epitome of consistent as a Super Chat superstar of late. We appreciate that, my friend. He says, what's up, my guys? Late to the party, but on time nonetheless. Just wanted to drop in and say, Bucky Brooks is on my list. And I like the piece you wrote about it, Zach. Fourth in the West, what? Hashtag MHH for life. Let him hate Kendrick. He'll come around. They'll all come around. I just can't. It's going to make it even sweeter. And on one hand, I do like it, Chad, because this is a team that's being fueled on the bulletin board material. Everyone's not believing in Russ or believing they're the worst team in a revamped AFC West. No, they'll all see come this fall. Bet on that. Ovanis is saying Shane Ray was picked 26. It's funny you say that because that's what was coming to my mind, but I wasn't sure because I didn't want to confuse it with Paxton Lynch, who was the year following. Naj, what's up, dude? I said Naj. Naj, what's up, bro? Great to see you. Very generous, as always. You're not. Love you, big dog. He says, hey, bros, I get the national perspective. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Broncos have to handle the Chiefs, take out the Raiders, Two teams we've really struggled with. Beating the division will earn that respect. Yeah, the, the Zach, bottom line is the pudding has to have some proof in it. And once it does, people will get on board. At this stage, it's I don't fault them on one hand, being that the Broncos have just been both boring and bad for six years. But did you guys miss that it's an offensive-minded head coach? It's Russell freaking Wilson? I mean – you guys forgetting that? I mean, Russell Wilson in Seattle with all the obstacles they had, especially the last three or four years in Seattle, missed the playoffs as that team's starting quarterback twice. Eight playoff berths, 10 seasons. You're going to say this is the worst team in the AFC West? I mean, come on. Well, again, this is a non-rhetorical question. Is the proof in the uh, Raiders pudding, the Chargers pudding in recent years? I don't think it is either. And, um, as I wrote in my story, even I said it's re it's reasonable to have your doubts and apprehension and trepidation about the Broncos based on their inexperience. First time head coach, first time OC, first time DC, first time special teams coach. That's a lot of youth, a lot of new moving parts. Despite having Russell Wilson, it's one thing to call back on their lack of playoff success or appearances since 2015, but to denigrate the Broncos based on their personnel when you claim. They have the worst supporting cast. They have a defense that's the worst, despite them finishing top three, by the way, in points allowed last year. it's um That's where it becomes the credibility goes off a cliff. And I don't really care or believe what you have to say anymore because you expose yourself as a fraud when it comes to talking about the Broncos. As the great James Hetfield once wrote, sad but true. Anthony Grove, yo, dude, appreciate you, big dog. Serious question for Zach. If we get Kansas City in week one, can we get some necessary roughness dance action? Party from you tomorrow night. Maybe Scott. Let's ride. Scott right now is dancing. If you could see this man, yeah. he's he's doing his best impression of Sinbad. I just screamed out of it. So. The major motion picture, necessary roughness. But yeah, I'll, I'll, dude, I'll totally do it if Zach will. That's the caveat deal i'm gonna be so freaking pumped up i almost let out a bad word there if the broncos draw kansas city in week one i want that game badly man i hope it comes to fruition or seattle i will i will settle for that too hey this is a fair point albert is making about chubb part of chubb's absence <clears throat> pardon me was also due to bad coaching decisions letting him play sure. injured etc and the ankle surgery, waiting months and months to do that, not getting it done right away. You talk about Randy Gregory, at least the surgery was done immediately, not two months later. Yeah, you put yourself, you rewind exactly one year. Everyone's excited for minicamp, rookie minicamp. I want to say it was around the rookie minicamp time, which is then followed by mandatory minicamp, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, all of a sudden we're learning that 
the injury that cost Chubb in his Pro Bowl year, his final two games, they're going to correct it now? What about the previous five freaking months, dude? And now that probably wasn't a coaching decision for what it's worth. That was probably a strength and conditioning slash medical, not strength and conditioning, medical. It was a medical guy saying, eh, you know, he's been under the knife a few times. You know, he had he's had now uh, two ACLs as a football player, one as a pro. Maybe let's just see if it'll heal on its own and, you know, roll the dice. Bad decision. It was, in, I understand some of the motivation for it, um, but I wish there would have been someone being a little bit more strident in uh, opposing that particular treatment plan for Chubster. Yeah, the Broncos might have to sacrifice an extra goat to the football gods because when it comes to the injury bug, it, they haven't been kind to Denver. I hope that changes this season, like I always said. Travis, curious question. If you could go back when we had Shaquille Barrett, would you rather have kept him and lose Chubb? That's a really good question because if you keep Shaq and you don't take Chubb at five, you're probably taking Josh Allen at five in 2018. So you're like butterfly effect in this whole thing, Zach. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I was actually pulling up the 2018 draft, and I guess you're right about Josh Allen. I forgot about him. I was thinking of Quentin Nelson. That's who I'd probably take. I mean, probably a future Hall of Fame guard who can help the Broncos out of position where they've been weak for many years now. But you wonder, would Shaq have been as good as he's been in Tampa with the Broncos? So butterfly no. effect would also apply to that as well. Great question, though. It's very fun to think about. Um, all things being equal, I think Shaq Barrett's been a better edge rusher at the NFL level, obviously one healthy than Bradley Chubb. So I lean in that direction. thing you got to remember is Shane Ray rushing the passer with a lead. Pardon me. Shaq Barrett rushing the passer with a lead is a different thing than Shaq Barrett rushing the passer from behind, as would have been his destiny and fate had he not left and gone and taken the deal in Tampa. He's just not – there's a reason he went undrafted. And I don't say that as like – you know, I'm usually the guy being the champion for the guys who don't go drafted and not using that as an excuse to, um, you know, point this out or or marginalize them in any way, shape, or form. But – one of the reasons he did not go dra- or get drafted or hear his name called was he's not a terribly explosive edge rusher, Zach, and he's not twitchy. Those two things. He is a technician. He's very strong, and he's got those long arms, and that's very helpful. Bradley Chubb brings the he's a, he's more of a he's probably closer, in all honesty, to a Shaquille Barrett style rusher than a Von Miller, but he is a significantly more athletically gifted just an overall better player. He just hasn't had the luck on the injury front. So if I could go back in time, I would have taken Josh Allen at pick number five. That's what I would have done in hindsight. But if you do that, going back to the butterfly effect, etc., you probably don't find yourself here in 2022 with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. So which one? You wouldn't need Russell Wilson. That's the thing. You'd have a franchise younger True. guy in, in Josh Allen. But then you have to think what the Broncos coaching staff unlocked Allen like the Bills have. And I don't think so. But then would you have hired Vic Fangio the following year? Do you even fire Vance after uh, taking Josh Allen? It's a big butterfly effect. Fun question to think about. I'm still taking Shaq, though. Sorry, Bradley. Um, shout out to Clayton, one of our great supporters on Facebook. It's good to see you. Sorry that you have missed a lot of shows. Been working a lot. You got to pay them bills, dude. Got to keep the lights on at, is it Heron? Heron Central? So we're just glad to have you, my friend. Appreciate you. Um, Twitch, got to get at least one Twitch each and every night. Savage Boy Kev, appreciate you, buddy. Three of our division games are going to be prime time on top of the two we already have. Football gods, please answer my prayers. So he's trying to will this into existence or what, Zach? Well, I, I think looking into it, remember I said on Monday night's pod, I wasn't sure if the London game counts as a primetime. I don't think it does, actually. I don't think the Christmas game does either. So they're going to yeah. have those two games on top of their maximum, which I think is five uh, per team is allowed in primetime. I could be starting in week one. I've heard rumors about the Seahawks. I've heard rumors about the Raiders yeah. in week one, Monday night, Sunday night. They're going to probably max out. I'd be shocked if they got uh, less than uh, four games primetime. As we say at times on this show, all will be known in due time when it comes to the schedule and how many primetime games and against who. And that time, I mean, we're 24 hours away, not quite. So we'll know by the time you guys see us next tomorrow night, 
We're going to have a lot to talk about. Kendrick, number two for tonight. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, One more question, my guys. Any information on the new hire of Reed Burkhart? Seems like a George Payton guy, and George is definitely my guy. Scheduled dates drop tomorrow. Taking teams, names, and checking twice. Yeah, um, we did cover it at the top of the show, so go check it out. But um, neither of us are going to lie to you and pretend we know everything there is to know about Reed Burkhart. But he is cut off the uh, Spielman Payton front office tree. And so if George Payton says this is a guy I want close in the inner circle, we're going to trust it. Former South Dakota State quarterback. They worked together for a decade plus in Minnesota. So it seems like a good hire. And anytime the Broncos steal someone, another team in the front office is trying to keep, you know, that's kind of. It'd be one thing if Minnesota was like, eh, oh, you want to hire our guy? They fought to keep him. They wanted to keep him. There's a reason for that. So it seems like on the surface anyway, Zach, it was a uh, good hire. They needed to fill that spot in the front office, director of player personnel. Yeah, I just dropped your article in the comment section. So anyone who wants to uh, read more on Burkhardt can check that out. And Travis, uh, they couldn't open up against Seattle on Thursday because that would be the Rams. They open up the Super Bowl defending champions open up and uh, – I don't think the Broncos would draw that game. Maybe that's what Peter King thinks. It's the Rams and the Broncos in week one, but I think it could be Seattle. And uh, I wanted to get this question from question from Clayton real quick, a healthy Chubb. How many sacks? Interesting question. While we're on the subject, yeah, uh, Chad, I'll, I'll serve it over to you in one second. I just want to say upside ceiling, best case scenario. I think we saw uh, Chubb max out around 12 and that was as a rookie that was fresh, no injuries and no, uh, uh, you know, war-torn stories in the NFL. So I'm going to say upside, best-case scenario for Bradley Chubb, staying healthy this season is 12 sacks. Well, you could also take that as and look at it from the other, the other end. And this is just me playing devil's advocate. If as a rookie, it's the only fully healthy year he's had in the league, by the way, was his rookie year he got 12 sacks. So if as a rookie he was able to, in a fully healthy season, give the Broncos 12 sacks, what could he do as a year five, now one-time Pro Bowl version of himself as a pro? So I would say if, if and this is a big if, guys, and literally I'm knocking wood as I say this, if Chubb stays healthy for the whole season, I think Chubb gets somewhere between 10 and 16 sacks because wow. it's a 17-game season. Right. I think it's I think it's on the table, some, something like that. But if ifs and buts were candy and nuts – we all would have a Merry Christmas. Uh, man, I'd love for Bradley Chubb to get 16 sacks. It would mean the Broncos defense is freaking humming under Evero. And uh, hopefully Gregory stays healthy to take some double teams away from Bradley. So we'll see. I think 10 could be the floor for Bradley. You can debate the ceiling. I happen to think it's 12 or 13. Chad thinks maybe 16, but we shall find out. I, we haven't broached this, Chad, for Michael Ronquillo. Rookies got their Broncos jersey numbers today. Let me just say right. real quickly, I despise... Nick Benito's number 42 for an edge rusher. Nah. Yeah. Let me, let me do a quick share screen. Um, I'll show you guys. We'll have an article up on this within the next. Hey, poor Montrell. He got Paxton Lynch's number here. Yeah. Here's the, uh, here's how it shook out. So hopefully you guys can see this from denverbroncos.com or whatever. Uh, so whoops, hold on. Gotta go back now. Dak Gummit, Broncos with your slider. All right, I'm gonna have to stay on this page. All right, so Montreal Washington got 12. That's the wide out slash returner. Damari Mathis, the corner, got 27. I always love that number for obvious reasons. Um Fion Hicks, 29. So he's taking over Callahan's number. 32 for Delarin Turner Yell. Delarin Turner Yell, actually. Uh former sticky man number, Tony Carter, 32. Nick Benito, as you mentioned, 42. Luke Wattenberg, the offensive lineman, 60. Greg Dulcich taking the Julius Thomas, Rod Smith, Mark Jackson energy with number 80. Uh, Matt Henningsen, the defensive lineman, 91. And then Uwazarike. Uwazarike. I'm going to whisper it. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his first name. Taking Shelby's former number, Zach, at number 96. Shelby wasn't happy about that either. He put, like, uh, the eyes emoji on Twitter. He's like, can't believe it. It's like, Shelby, you don't play for the franchise anymore, man. You were traded. Get over it. You have a new team now. 
Uh, I think uh, Benito wanted 11. It's what he wore at Oklahoma, but the Broncos have an 11, and that's uh, Josh Johnson, who they signed. Apparently, they couldn't work out a deal, so mm. uh, he's taking 42. Could be 58 if the Broncos want to give up Von Miller's number, but I think Benito has to work for that a little more. 42. Stupid. Dude, you know what? I don't blame Nick on the on the aspect of not ponying up. Look, second round pick money to anyone listening to this podcast is more money than you could imagine, right? Um, but for a second round pick that has a plausible expectation of this becoming a career, but also understanding that this could be the only money he makes in the league, and you've got a veteran quarterback saying, yeah, you can have 11 if you give me 15 Gs or if you give me 20 Gs or whatever, I'm probably finding another number too for what it's worth. I mean, it'd be one thing if I was like a high profile top five pick and this, you know, this was the number I was known. I was like a superstar in college. Not really the case for Nick Benito, but still 42. There were some 50 numbers out there. I'm trying to think we could go through the roster. We're about out of time tonight or else we would, but still, yeah. Questionable juice on the 42. I think I'm trying to even think of the last impactful 42 the Broncos had here. I got nothing. I got nothing on 42. Well, here's the thing for Josh Johnson, who's number 11. Where is he going to go? I'm looking at the Broncos roster right now. They have every single-digit number filled out, every quarterback number filled out. I mean, can can they wear zero, like double zero, like it's NBA? I don't think so. So I don't uh, I don't see any other option for Nick Benito. Again, maybe 58. But, but you know what? Josh Johnson might not make the roster. True. Probably will. Probably will. But might not. So if you're Nick Benito and you're like, I guess I'll just take 42 and 11 still comes your way, hey, that's you're the smart guy that for not ponying up 20 grand for nothing, et cetera. But um, – Nick Benito is going to be here for sure for at least three years. That number will come available. And if that's really the number he wanted, he will get it eventually because Josh Johnson's not going to be here probably anyway beyond 2022, if it 2022 at all. So just stay patient, big dog. Nick, you'll get uh, you'll get what's coming to you. Pop quiz, hot shot. Who's number 48 on the Broncos? Is <laughs> 48. The, do you get the reference, by the way? Great movie. No. Speed, no. Dennis Hopper. Oh, been a long time since I've seen that movie, but classic '90s. Whoa, Keanu movie, dude. <laughs> you you give up? It's it's Andre Mintz. I didn't. I had to look it up too. So that's taken. Just to answer your question, Ivanes. Again, Nick Benito was kind of forced into forty-two. I just hate that number. It's it's. You, you still have it in front of you? I do. Okay, spit the fifty numbers. 50 is Griffith, 51 is Spencer, 52 is Moody, 53 is Cooper, 54 is Wade, 55 is Chubb, 56. Hold on, time out. I would be talking to Moody about changing from 52. That's what I would do if I was Nick Benito. But, you know, this ship has sailed, but go on. Uh, 56 is Browning, 57 is Billy Turner, 59 is Malik Reed, and they don't have Billy Turner took 57? Yeah. Demarcus, Demarcus Walker vibes. Weird. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Still, you know, these are fun things to talk about as we fill up our off season. Uh, yeah, Tuska, Derek Tuska had 48 in the in the immediate aftermath of Shaq. That's right, 42, the long snapper. Shout out Casey Kreider, <laughs> pro bowler. How could I have forgotten this cat? You know, let's go. But Zach, this, let's let's uh, let's bounce on out of here, dude. This will be known as the podcast of Broncos Relics tonight, May 11th. Mark it down. That was the Huddle Up podcast, though. We're back on tomorrow night, same time, same place, to break down the schedule release. Uh, until that time, follow us on Twitter at my uh, Huddle Up Pod. You can follow us on Twitter also at Mile Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Be sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want a hat like I'm wearing, a hat like Chad's wearing, all of our merch right there, HuddleUpPod.com, and also Facebook.com/slash Mile Huddle Pod. Like that page, follow that page, guys. If you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month but if you can't do those things please do these three things subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you yes it does and i'm trying to pull up on facebook our shout outs for tonight so bear with me one second but 
We really do appreciate each and every one of you. And tomorrow night's show, whatever you've got going on uh, tomorrow, make sure you get your 6 to 7 o'clock local time hour peeled away because it's going to be a gas. Shout out to these great supporters on Facebook, Gary Leeds Palmer, Anthony Grove, Andrew Baker, Marcus Lewis Henna across the pond. Love you, big dog. And then our great Super Chat superstars tonight getting some shout outs. Uh, we start with Tanner Hulse, Michael Ronquillo, The Duchess, Michaela Parker, Kendrick Ware, and Naj al Taf. Much love and respect. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. See you tomorrow night for the schedule release. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.